Hi, I'm Gregory Dickow, and thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you're one of our regular listeners, thank you for your continued journey with me. My prayer is that each and every message touches your heart and helps you encounter the real Jesus and rise to your true worth and purpose. Now, we release new messages every single week available to everyone in the world for absolutely free. And the reason we can do that is because we have precious people who give generously and sacrificially each and every week. If you're a regular giver, I'm truly thankful for you. I can't thank you enough, in fact. And if you haven't taken that step yet, I want to invite you to join us today. Simply visit lifechangerschurch.com slash give. That's lifechangerschurch.com slash give to make a one-time gift or even better yet, become a recurring giver here at Life Changers. Finally, I hope today's message truly encourages you, builds you up, and reveals to you how powerful you really are. Enjoy and God bless. I want you to declare and prophesy, I have a covenant with God. Come on, say it again. You can take me out a little. Say it again. I have a covenant with God. Now say it like you mean it. I have a covenant with God. How is that covenant established? Through your promises? How is that covenant established? Through what? The blood of Jesus. Did anybody say the blood of Jesus? You're right. Did anybody say anything else? You're wrong. (laughs) This covenant that you have with God is established and it is confirmed and it is followed through by the blood of Jesus. Please don't anybody be mad at me about the winning culture that we have to create. Not trying to shame you being a fan of a sports team. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to get you to see failure is contagious. But so is victory. And we got to spread a contagious virus of victory. We are the champions because we have a covenant with God. Now, today I've dedicated this moment to break every generational curse that is still at work in your life, in your family, in your body, in your finances, in your home, in our church. It doesn't mean that it's not already broken. It's it's already the the curse has been broken through the blood of Jesus. But we are it's time for us to manifest the blessing. It's time for us to put away the DNA, the imprint in our mind that we should expect bad things to happen. Now, bad things happen in life, but we are not cursed with failure. We are blessed with victory. We are not cursed with defeat. We are blessed with more than conquering lives. We are more than conquerors. Every 
song, every television show, every movie where the hero wins at the end. It's only because they learned that from the Bible. It's only because it's in the atmosphere. God has put into existence the power of winning in life because Jesus took all of our failure, took all of our defeat, took all of our sin, took the entire curse on the cross so that we could experience the fullness of his blessing in our lives, both in heaven and on earth while we are here. And by the way, one the greatest blessing of all through the blood of Jesus is your salvation. And the greatest blessing of all besides your salvation is your family's salvation. That is the greatest blessing of all. And we need to realize the same way that that blessing is ours only because of Jesus. We need to realize every other blessing in the Bible is only ours because of the blood of Jesus and the curses are no longer legally uh, allowed to operate in our lives. Now, they do operate in our lives in seven areas, and I'll go over those with you in a moment. They still operate in our lives, but it's not because they have the right to. It's not because they have the power to. It's because of our own ignorance and us not reinforcing or enforcing our blessing with our words and with our choices. And we're instead accepting, we're allowing these curses to operate in our lives. And Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you permit or loose or allow on earth will be allowed by heaven. Heaven is waiting for you to decide what you will bind and what you will loose, what you will forbid and what you will allow. I get it. I know why some Christians don't want to come to a church like this, because they don't want to embrace their authority. So many would rather just say God is in control of everything. You know, there's some things that we're in control of. God didn't match those colors on you today. (laughs) You either matched them or mismatched them, but that's on you. (laughs) I say that while I look at make sure (laughs) double check here. Let's learn how Jesus breaks these generational curses and how we can truly walk in our blood covenant rights. A covenant is the strongest form of agreement between two parties or two people. God makes a covenant with mankind with what's called the new covenant through the blood of Jesus, thus guaranteeing our salvation and guaranteeing that we have the same rights and blessings of Abraham that Abraham walked in. And the Bible says in Genesis, chapter 24, verse one, the Lord had blessed Abraham in everything. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. It says Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Who blessed Abraham in how many ways? And look at Galatians three twenty nine, Galatians three twenty nine, New American Standard Bible. If we belong to Christ, Galatians 3:29. if we belong to Christ, we are Abraham's seed, Abraham's descendants and heirs according to promise. So whatever God did in Abraham's lives 
whatever God did in Abraham's life, we're the descendants of that. We're the seed of Abraham in Christ because we belong to him through the blood of Jesus. We belong to Christ. And therefore, everything that God did in Abraham's life, he will do in your life. And this is where we need to have faith in the room. This is where we need to believe that we have the right to these things. It does not glorify God for you to leave these blessings on the table. It glorifies God for you to take them, because by taking them, you are saying, I honor what Jesus did with his blood. Therefore, I will take everything that he provided for me. Otherwise, what you're saying is you don't want what he paid for. And that's a dishonor to him. If you paid for something for me and then I said, no, 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 I don't want that. I'll pay it myself. That's an insult. If I offered you something for free and it was something good and you said, no, I don't want it. I know that's too selfish of me. That's too greedy for me to take that. You're dishonoring my love. You're dishonoring my generosity when we say, no, I don't need to take all the blessing. I don't need to receive all the blessing that God has for me. What you're saying is you're saying that you're rejecting his offer. It's more sinful if you can. We'll use this word lightly now to make a point, to illustrate a point. It's more sinful to leave the blessing on the table than it is for you to cuss or to what name your sin, whatever your sin is that you do, that you're that you struggle with or whatever. It's more sinful to leave the blessing on the table. Galatians, excuse me, Romans chapter eight, verse thirty two. I was looking at my my phone at, this morning at eight thirty two and I said, ah, that reminds me of Romans eight thirty two. One of my favorite verses. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? It's not without him that he freely gives us all things It's with him. With him, with Jesus, God freely gives us all things. So if he freely gives us all things and we're like, no, thank you. Try telling that to your grandmother when she's serving you a second helping. No, thank you, Grandma. No, no, it's not that good. It's not like last week. Remember last month, Granny? It was way better then. You better eat that. Honor her. Honor God by receiving. Don't stay in the pride of thinking you're sacrificing something and that that somehow glorifies God by you rejecting his gifts. I'm honoring his blood by accepting his gifts. Firstly, the gift of salvation. When we don't understand our covenant rights and how to enforce them, we enter into unnecessary spiritual warfare. Now, there is some necessary spiritual warfare, but we constantly enter into unnecessary spiritual warfare when we do not enforce our covenant rights in our lives. The true spiritual warfare is is removing the layers of ignorance that tell us 
that we have to do more to get saved or to receive God's blessing when really Jesus did it all. That's true spiritual warfare. But we end up having to deal with so many financial attacks and emotional trauma and oppression and relationship issues and financial problems already said, uh, destroyed families, abuses and addiction. This kind of spiritual warfare of these things is unnecessary when you discover your covenant rights as a child of God and your ability to enforce those rights with your words. These things have no power over you. Let me show you and I'm going to get to these seven curses in a minute. And we got a couple other things I want to hopefully save time so we can do. Malachi, chapter one, verse two, I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you. I want you to hear God speaking this over you right now. I've always loved you. Have you ever wondered when something really goes wrong in your life and you go, I wonder if this means God doesn't love me as much and he wants to reassure you. I've always loved you, but I'm seeing all these bad things in my life. I've always loved you. But Lord, are you sure you, you know, you love me in the good days? I've always loved you. What about the bad days, Lord? I've always loved you. What about the days that I I really screw up? I've always loved you. What about the days that I intentionally break my promise? What about the days that I really sin? I've always loved you. What about the days I don't love you back? Lord, I've always loved you. What about the days that I'm mad at you? I've always loved you. What about the days that I walk away from you, Lord? I've always loved you. What about the days I feel like you're nowhere near me? I've always loved you. What about the days where I don't feel you love me? I've always loved you. And then you retort. I like that word. You retort in the New Living Translation. He says, but you retort or or you you bring this comeback of doubt. You bring this this question mark of my love and you say, really? Can you detect the sarcasm he's using here? Really? Come on, who hasn't used that word in that way? That's exactly what's being what's happening here that he he's saying, I've always loved you. And the children of God, the children of Israel's response is really how have you loved us? Or maybe they're saying, really? They're either being sarcastic. I'm sure. Yeah, right. How have you loved us? Or they're being really transparent, saying, really, you've always loved me. That's how. Have you loved us? We're seeing all these bad things happen in us. How have you really loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor, Jacob, and I hated and rejected his brother Esau. Listen, God hated this word rejected is also the same word as hated or cursed. So when God says over Jacob, he says, I this they said, how have you loved us? And he said, here's here's how I will show you my love. Here's how I'm showing you. Here's how I'm proving my love for you. Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated Jacob. I accepted Esau, I rejected Jacob. I blessed Esau, I cursed. I cursed his older brother. I rejected his brother, his older brother. Esau is a prophetic picture of 
the eldest brother, which is Jesus. And Jacob is a prophetic picture of you and me. Now, the real people that's really happened, but these are also serving us. That's why God included them in Scripture. They are serving us a picture of our relationship with God through Jesus, that Jesus is our eldest brother and Esau is the older brother. And by the way, they're twins because they they were they both came one after the other out of the womb and one was holding on to the other. Esau was coming out first, but Jacob was holding on to his foot. And he's like, I'm not leaving. You're not leaving here without me. Don't leave me in this cave. Don't leave me in here. Jesus, get me out of this mess. Get me out of this thing. I feel like I've been in the oven way too long. I feel like the heat. I feel like so much is around me. I feel like too many things happening. In, God, take me. I'm going with you. Whatever you wherever Jesus is going, I'm going. Jacob took a hold of his foot. You know, all you need is a, just a hold of his foot. Jesus, you, even if you haven't gotten all of him yet, if you just got his, just grab his foot. Which one? The one that was nailed to the cross. Both of them were either one works. Don't you see if you study the Bible, it's all a picture of this covenant that we have with God. Every bit of it. You cannot understand the Bible until you understand covenants. When you understand a blood covenant, it begins to make everything make sense. Why would God love Jacob and hate Esau? Because he was showing that he loved us by hating and rejecting Jesus on the cross and making Jesus a curse on the cross. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, the father had to forsake Jesus so he could accept us. He had to curse Jesus so that he could bless us. He had to turn away from Jesus so he could turn toward us. He had to he had to hate Jesus so he could love us, but he didn't hate him in his life. He hated him only on the cross. Amen. It's not an emotional hatred. It's a it's a hatred of blessing. It's like I'm withholding. I'm taking the blessing back from you and I'm giving it to your younger brother. Jacob had to deceive his father, Isaac, to get this blessing. But we don't have to deceive God to get this blessing. Jesus gives it to us for free. He wants to give us this blessing. If you study this later, when all the Esau hates his brother now, right? Esau, after this, after he steals his blessing, you know, remember him, him and his mom made this come, came up with this crazy plan. It was really the mom's idea. Come up with this crazy plan, put hair on, you know, so that you feel like your brother, you know, your dad, he, you know, he doesn't see straight. You know, that's what. <laughs> That's what every mother says to her kid. You know, you know, your dad, he's not seeing things real well, but (laughs) she's like, you know, he won't he won't notice. Let's just put an animal skin on your on your hand. Let's make you smell like 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 you've hunted because that's what Esau did. He hunted and let's uh, let's make you hairy and let's make this animal skin cover you. And then you bring a meal into your father and he'll give you the blessing, even though the blessing belonged to the firstborn and the rights of the firstborn were to be given to the firstborn. Jacob goes in there with the skin of an animal. You don't want to hear this today, do you? He goes in there with the skin of an animal and says, Father, bless me. And the father's like, you smell like Esau. But you sound like Jacob. 
Because you know what? When we first get saved and even after that. God sees us like Jesus, but we're still talking like our old self. That's why we got to grow up in the things of God. And, and, and Isaac says, you, OK, so you smell like Esau. You sound like Jacob. Here's how here's how I'm going to decide. Let me come come closer. Let me feel your let me feel your arm because Jacob has no hair on his arm. And, you know, he got some veet, you know, <laughs> took it all off. You know. But but Esau, man, he's just a dude. He's a hairy dude. So now Jacob walks in there with the animal skin that's hairy and East Isaac can't see clearly. So he feels his arm and says, wow, I feel I feel the skin of Esau, my firstborn. You know, when we go before God, you know what we do? We have the skin of Jesus. Clothed in his righteousness. Now we can go to the father and receive the blessing. We don't deserve it because we were the second born. We didn't earn it because we're the second born. But we go with Jesus skin. We go with Jesus flesh. We go with the lamb of God on us. And God, our father, can't tell the difference. Amen. So he gives us the same blessing of Jesus because we're wearing the same coat as Jesus, the robe of righteousness. He became sin so that we through the cross would be made righteous. Woo! This is how God shows his love in verse he says, this is how I showed my love for you. I made this exchange. I showed my love to you by loving you and hating Jesus on the cross, accepting you by rejecting Jesus on the cross. It's the great exchange, right? This is what gives us a covenant with God that he would love us so that he would reject his own and only begotten son so that we could become the next born. He, Jesus is now the firstborn of many brethren and we are the many brethren. Yes, amen. And so what he does is he makes a covenant with us and he turns the curse into a blessing. But why does he do it? Deuteronomy 23 verse five tells us why. Nevertheless, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam Balaam was trying to put a curse on the children of Israel. And it says here in Deuteronomy 23, verse five, the Lord, your God would not listen to Balaam. Look, the devil's telling you and telling God you're cursed. The devil's telling you that you can't have this blessing. The devil's telling you you don't deserve it. But God's not listening to the devil. God's not listening to the false prophecies. God's not listening to the accusations. God's not listening to Balaam curse the children of Israel. He said, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. So what did he do? He turned the curse into a blessing. Why did he do it? He did it because the Lord your God loves you. What did he do? He turned the curse into a blessing. Why did he do it? Because he loves you. 
How did he do it? Through the blood covenant of Jesus. What did he do? He turned the curse into a blessing. Why did he do it? He did it because he loves you. How did he do it? He did it through the blood covenant of Jesus. I don't think you heard me. What did he do? He turned the curse into a blessing. That's your part. What did he do? Why did he do it? How did he do it? Through the blood covenant of Jesus. Let's say it again. What did he do? Oh, glory. I don't feel it coming from you. What did he do? What did he do? He turned the curse into a blessing. Why did he do it? Because he loves us. How did he do it? Through the blood covenant of Jesus. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. I hated Jesus on the cross. I rejected Jesus on the cross. I cursed Jesus on the cross. What happens then? Galatians 3.13 tells us what happens then. Woo! Man, nothing is going to get you excited. It, real church is going to be exciting because, uh, hey, listen, I'm not excited right now because I'm spiritual. I'm excited right now because there is truth in what's being said, and the truth will make you free. I'm so grateful. Woo! I feel like Paul McCartney, John Lennon. I got a feeling. A feeling I can't hide. No, no. Christ has redeemed us. From what? Why? How? Well, somebody. We're already celebrating. We're not waiting for October 8th. We're celebrating right now. Woo! Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Having become a curse for us, for cursed is the one who hangs on a tree so that what would happen, verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Woo! You're not having church. Christians aren't having church until they're talking about this. Listen to me. It's not church if this isn't spoken of. It's not church if the blood of Jesus is not glorified. And how was Abraham blessed? The Lord. Now, Abraham was advanced in years. It says in Genesis 24, we already went over that verse, verse one. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. First of all, we got a promise here of long life. Abraham was old. 
well advanced in years. That means a long life. But he wasn't just advanced in years. He was well advanced. He was well. He's living in wellness. Woo! And the Lord don't go out of here and go, oh, that's bad preaching. How dare they talk about how God wants to bless? That's so selfish. That's so selfish. Blah, 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 blah. That's the, that you're listening to the devil. It doesn't say the devil blessed Abraham. It didn't say Abraham blessed himself. It said the Lord had blessed him, not in some things, not just spiritual, not just heaven. Yes, spiritual. Yes, heaven. But in all things, does all things include your family? Yes. Does all things include your health? Yes. Does all things include your finances? Does all things include your strength? Do all things include your job, your business, your health, your body, your mind, your emotions, your soul? Woo! All things. All things. All things. Woo! Woo! This will make the devil just cry. This will make the devil sob. This will make the devil weep because he realizes he has no hold over you. What are these seven curses in Deuteronomy 28? First, let me tell you, Deuteronomy 28, verse one. Look at this. He said, man, good God. Woo, good goobly gook. Somebody's got to say amen, Grady. If you fully obey, if you diligently obey. Well, there's the sentence of death on us because none of us have diligently fully obeyed the voice of the Lord, your God. But if you observe carefully all his commandments, we're done. We're sunk. He says, if you observe carefully all his commandments, which I com- are commanded you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. And then he says you're blessed everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds good. So this makes Christians want to really obey so they can have these blessings. But nobody obeys fully. So this will not work for you. Verse 16 says, If you do not obey to observe carefully all hit, put that back up, verse 16, to carefully observe all that he commands you this day. Notice that Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 16. If you do not fully obey, help me now. There you go. No, no, no. Verse 15, then. (laughs) If you do not obey the Lord, your God, to observe, to do all, how much, how many of his commandments? We're sunk. Who here has fulfilled all the commandments? Guess what? Therefore, because we didn't fulfill all his commandments, we have no right to the blessing under this covenant. And because we haven't fully obeyed, we have we are 
cursed with all the curses in this book, all of them. He said, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. What are these curses? Let me give them to you quickly. Sickness is is one of them. It's not necessarily in this order. Sickness and disease. Verse 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, fever, inflammation, burning fever, the sword, the scorching and with mildew. This affects your bathroom and your kitchen, too. (laughs) My God. (laughs) It's all right there. Verse 27, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors. There's cancer, scabs, itch from things you cannot be healed. Verse 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. You say, why is this so severe? Because disobedience to God brings severe consequences. But he's not talking about us. I'll show you what I mean by that. But verse 35, because there is a price that must be paid for the sins of mankind and man is not capable of paying for them himself except to be cursed in hell for eternity. And Jesus has provided a way beyond a way from a way for us to be delivered from that, a way to rescue us. Hallelujah. Verse 61. Also, in case I didn't leave it, in case I left anything out, he says, every sickness and every plague not written in this book of the law, the Lord will bring upon you until you're destroyed. So not only do you get not only are you cursed with every one of these sicknesses that he mentions, but any sickness or plague not included in this is coming on you because you didn't fully obey. So you cannot leave now. You cannot leave because I'm not done. I'm there's a comma to what I just said. Number two, mental illness, emotional problems and mental illness. Verse twenty eight, the Lord will smite you with madness. That means being loony. That means being crazy. Studies show now that. One out of every three people have some sort of mental illness that is manifest. Everybody's struggling with something. Amen. One out of every three. So check your two closest friends. And if they're normal, you're the crazy one. (laughs) He says madness, blindness. That means not seeing what is obvious. It doesn't just mean not seeing physically. It means being blind to God's presence, being blind to the good things in life, being blind to what God the blessings and confusion of heart. This is all a curse, emotional problems and mental illness. Number three, family and home destruction. This is the third. Every every problem falls under one of these seven categories of curses, family and home destruction. Verse 30, you shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but you won't have any grapes. Verse 32, your sons and daughters will be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hands. Verse 41, 
Verse 41, you shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours. They will go into captivity. Where is the young people? Where are young people today? They're in captivity to drugs. They're in captivity to, to social media. They're in captivity to having to uh, compare themselves to others. They're in captivity to insecurity and fear and a lack of identity. They're in captivity to not knowing who they are because it's only in Christ that we can find out who we are and what we're living for. That's the curse. When you start realizing that you have the right to these blessings instead of these curses through the blood of Jesus, you'll start expecting your children to walk with God. You'll start expecting your finances to grow. You'll start expecting your body to be well and you'll start making decisions that are congruent with those blessings. Number four, poverty. Poverty simply means a lack of the things that you need. It says in verse 29, you shall grope at noonday as a blind man is in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. Your ox, verse 31, shall be slaughtered before your eyes. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies. Your donkey shall be violently taken away, etc. Verse 38, you shall carry much seed in the field, but gather little. Locusts will consume it. You'll plant vineyards, but you'll neither drink the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms will eat them. You shall have olive trees through your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself. There'll be no anointing with oil. Number five is terrorism. In verse 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar and from the end of the earth as swift as the eagle flies. Sound like 9-11 to you? Not saying America is the only nation that is being attacked. But the earth is under siege by the devil. A nation whose language you will not understand. Verse 50, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, no show favor to the young. They kill anybody at any age. They have no respect. That's the devil. That's terror. That's evil. Number six, defeat is a curse. Verse 25. This is all in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 25. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You'll go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. And number seven, doubt, fear and intrepidation. Doubt, fear is the seventh curse. Verse 66, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You'll always have doubt. You'll never be sure. You won't have confidence. You'll have no assurance of life. Verse 66 says in the morning, you'll say, I wish it was evening. In the evening, you'll say, I wish it was morning. Here's the good news in all this bad news. The good news is that if any of these things are operating in your life, they don't have the right to operate anymore. Remember, in Deuteronomy 28, one, the key to the blessings and the key to the curses. If you diligently obey the Lord, you'll have these blessings. But if verse 15 says, but it will come to pass if you do not obey and observe carefully all his commandments, then all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So somebody has to pay. And so Romans chapter five, verse 19 says this, and this is what everything I just told you about 
Everything hinges on this verse. Everything hinges on this verse. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who's that one man? Adam, Adam and Eve. They're the one man, Adam and Eve. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam and Eve, many were made sinners. All were made sinners also by one man's obedience. Whoa. Who's this one man? Jesus through his what? What what has to happen for these blessings to be upon us? We have to obey fully and have complete 100 percent obedience. Jesus did that. And therefore, through one man's obedience, we're all made righteous. Those that accept Jesus Christ were made righteous through one man's obedience. In other words, through his obedience, we are delivered from every one of these curses. And through Jesus obedience, we have been he has purchased for us every one of these blessings. So you can be encouraged when you read. Listen, this is the difference between old covenant church preaching and new covenant church preaching. And most most churches have they mixed it up and it's like a just a bag of mixture. It's not pure. It's not clear. Listen, here's why, because this is still preached. Deuteronomy 28 is still preached as controlling people. It's used to control people. If you don't obey, you'll be cursed. If you want the blessings, you got to obey. That is preached all over this world still in many churches. We don't preach that. I don't preach that. Why? Because I'm talking to you about what Jesus did. Listen, I preach that, yes, the, the disobedient will be cursed. But in this case, Jesus was obedient. And that's why he could take that's why he could take the curse for us, because he was never disobedient. Therefore, he's a candidate to be our substitute. He's our covenant representative. So now Listen, you should get up every day and go to bed every night and say, I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in my finances. I'm blessed in my family. I'm blessed in my health. I'm blessed here. I'm blessed in all things. Why? Because of one man's obedience. We can no longer listen to preaching that is telling us you better obey or you're going to be cursed. If you disobey, you're going to be cursed. If you don't obey, you're going to miss out on the blessing. I'm not missing out on one blessing at all because Jesus did it all for me and for you. Colossians 2.14 says he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and he which condemned us, our legal indebtedness to sin and the curse of the law. It condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And verse 13 says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Most Christians tolerate bad things happening in their life because they think they deserve them. And they are unavoidable. They expect it. They do not understand what they're really free from. Listen. We're taking communion. In a moment or two or three. Ready? How do we respond to these curses? Number one, we need to be convinced we're redeemed. We need to see Christ redeemed us. Say Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. I have the right to all the blessings and I'm redeemed 
from all the curses. Number two, we need to say that we're redeemed. Psalm 107 verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord, let them say so. Say, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. All these blessings are mine in Christ. Listen, I have to say in parentheses here. I'm not preaching that we could all that we should all just be disobedient to God. Obedience is better than disobedience, but your obedience does not give you the right to the blessings. Only Christ's obedience gives you the right to the blessings because his obedience was 100 percent. He never sinned and he was tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And then we need to celebrate we're redeemed. Number one, we need to be convinced we're redeemed. Number two, we need to say we're redeemed. And number three, we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate that we're redeemed by taking communion. Now, we're going to take communion in just a moment, and there's communion elements on the side. But first. I want to. I want us to give. Not because a miracle is going to happen if you give today. I want us to give because I came to you last week about our parking lot. If you pulled in today, the first third of the parking lot is still old, but the other two thirds is completely finished. It's brand new. I'm still believing for my tithe of that whole bill, 750,000. I'm believing to pay 10 percent of that. I need your help. Say, whoa, we just pivoted to giving. Yeah, because I'm out of time. <laughs> we got we got business, business of God to take care of. We didn't just seal coat like we've done every couple of years. We ripped out all of the asphalt because it was all damaged. It was it was 20 years old and we are redoing it completely from scratch. We will not have to do this again for 25 more years. But we do have to pay for it. You can see some of the pictures of what's happened. It's been a week and a half or so that we've been on this project will be done by the by this week. This week, it'll be completely finished. Thank God. Say that. Why is that important? We just want to make it because God is a God of excellence. We can't walk into a beautiful church and walk amongst each other as we're damaging our cars suspension and wheel alignment with all the cracks that we're making our our um, parking lot unsafe, especially in the winter, completely unsafe, destroying all our blades when we plow. People don't want to, you know, companies didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do our lot because they would damage their blades because it was all the cracks. We had to get it out. <sighs> Amen. You know, there was a time in this church where everybody believed that they were supposed to be a part of the miracles financially. And there were so many. I can't tell you how many times I saw people give above and beyond and the the goodness that happened in their lives because they were walking in faith. I don't know if Sue Foley is here, but I remember. She I remember she was like one of the first people when we were in the Link Elementary School. Is Sue here, by the way? Sue Hart. She's watching online. 
Sue Foley was her name at the time, it's Sue Hart now, because she's got a great heart. <laughs> but I remember her giving. I remember we were a little church of 300 people. And I said we had a banquet. I said, I need you guys to give big. And I remember her giving five thousand dollars that day. Five thousand dollars to a church of that was two years old or three years old at the time. That was a sacrifice for her. But, you know, God has sustained her all these years. I remember going up to four or five men in the church. I said, I'm, I'm going to ask you to I'm going to ask you to give. I need 